0: Welcome to Lift City Church Podcast, where we lift people into their next level relationship with Christ. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we're believing God that this message lifts you to another level. So we've been in this series entitled The Faith Refresher Series. And it's so important for such a time as this, the time that we live in, because really people in general are underneath a lot of pressure. Nothing is the same. Can I get agreement on that? Nothing is the same. We've all had to learn to be accustomed to doing life differently and doing life in a different way. Uh, Our standards by which we have uh, 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 been, been living our lives for for uh, many years now, those things have changed because nothing seems to be the same anymore. And the world is in constant motion and constant changing. And so if you're not careful and you're not making sure that you hear enough of God's word, what will happen is that you'll hear more of what the world says than what the word says, right? And so this Faith Refresher series is really a series to remind you about living according to the word of God. And the Bible says that the just shall live. How? by faith so let's take a quick uh a quick uh lap around memory lane or let's just review for a few moments so as believers we understand that we have been called to live by faith if you agree with that say amen Amen. now faith i've been teaching you is that we is what we call the currency to the kingdom everybody understand what i mean when i say that in other words, faith is the tool or the vehicle, if you will, that God uses for you and I as believers to transact business in the earth. Now, why is that important? Because the scripture says that we are spirit, right? My heart is a is a good replica of my spirit. What you see is my flesh. So the Bible says that we are spirit, we have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our intellect, and our emotions, but we live in this body. And so the real us is spirit man. And so because God is the spirit the scripture says we worship him in spirit and in truth but there are some things that God has revealed to us in the Bible that is available to us like health and healing and prosperity and peace and joy and no anxiety and all of those things but sometimes because we live in this world those things attempt to place themselves in our lives amen But the scripture says by faith what we can do is we can transact business and bring the promises of God into manifestation in the world. So if I'm struggling or if I'm in lack, if I obey the principles of God's word, then by faith what happens is God begins to deal in the spiritual realm with those things that are blocking what I should see in the natural realm and God brings in prosperity to my life. So faith is the currency to the kingdom. Like if you go to Walmart and you buy a chicken, you need some what? Money, right? So if you need something from the kingdom of God, no matter what it is, you need what? Okay, y'all didn't get that. If you need something from the kingdom of God, no matter what it is, you need what? Faith, this is how we get it. So faith, we understand, is the crux of our Christian faith. What do you mean by that, Pastor Tracy? What I mean by that is everything that you believe about God and his kingdom is by faith. From the moment you accept or receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it is by faith. So faith is the crux, the foundation of this faith, of this this Christianity that we believe in. It is by faith we do everything. Faith is the means by which we receive God's best for our lives. And so this refresher series is about how do I use my faith to receive God's best for my life. Now, anybody in here interested in God's best for their lives? Let me, let me hear you clap if you're really interested in God's best for your life. So as a child of God, I learned somewhere along my journey that really it is a disgrace or a slap in God's face for me to live below my kingdom principles or my kingdom privileges. It really is a slap in God's face. Now why? Because as a child of God, my father has said in his word that he has given us a standard for which we should be living. Anytime I live beneath the standard, then I am doing a disservice to what my father represents. Y'all with me? So, as a child, I grew up. When I was growing up, uh, my grandfather, my last, my maiden name is Pelat. My grandfather was what you would call a very proud type of man, and it was a lot of girls in our family. He would sit us down, and he would say stuff to us like, "You're a Pelat," and a Pelat means something. And appeal, that means you don't conduct yourself in certain ways. This is how you go in the community. This is how you speak. This is how you, uh, this is how you uphold yourself in a community because who you are represents something. Well, let's move that over into the kingdom of God. That's the thing I begin to learn about God. As a child of God, who I am represents more than just myself. Because nobody wants Jesus if Jesus is broken down and torn up. You wouldn't serve, you wouldn't be in this church if it was broken down and torn up. You excited about coming here because you got a foyer you can come into and you can sit on nice leather couches. You be like, ooh, this is my church. (laughs) We got coffee. You go in the bathroom. Taylor got it smelling all good. You know, you come in here, it's clean. They got lights, camera action. (laughs) Pastor DJ spinning all over the stage. Hopping up and down. You got pretty girls on the praise team. They looking cute. They got their hair did, and they smiling, and everybody look good. If everybody, you wouldn't be in here. You're here because you like what you see. Now, once you get past liking what you see, you're also here because of the word, Right? But what drew you here was either somebody that represented Christ well, or you saw it online, or something, but something triggered what you like to see and you want in your own life, which is what brought you here. Let's be real about it, and that's the truth. And so how we represent God in the earth is very important. So I ask you a question. How many of y'all really want God's best for your lives? Yeah, I, 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 how, how many y'all of y'all, you don't want to? You don't want nothing missing, nothing lacking. Whatever God has for me, I want it. Now, why do I want it? I want it because I need God to use me as a distribution center in the earth. Because I think some of y'all think God is coming down out of heaven and He's gonna do it. No, God uses people. A few occasions in the Bible, He used a couple of animals because the people just I guess they didn't want to cooperate. That's why the scripture says the rocks are crying. But guess what? I am not going to give an inanimate object that does not possess the life and power of God power, or I'm not going to give them the ability to cry out in my place. What? I want to be God's best representation in the earth. Anybody else want to be God's best representation in the earth? And in order to do that, we have to be able to receive God's best for our lives. So now, if I'm going to receive God's best for my life, there are some things that I must do. Number one, I must understand what God's word says about me. That's why you're here. You're here to get an understanding of who God says you are. You're here to get an understanding of who your identity is in Christ, that you are a child of the Most High God, that you have been blood-bought and blood-washed, that God has given you power, authority, and dominion in the earth. You have power, you have authority, you have dominion over the power of the enemy. The Bible says, over the prince of the power of the air. You got to understand that God, what God says about you and who you are. Here's number two, if you want to receive God's best for your life. You got to be confident. We've been talking about this for the last two weeks. You must be confident that God is okay with you. Look at somebody and tell them, say, God is not upset with you. God is okay with you. God does not have a problem with you. And a lot of us have not been able to receive God's best for our lives because inwardly we're thinking that God is angry with us, upset with us. And so then we don't practice the ABCs of faith. We don't practice the principles of faith. And we won't come to God and ask God for what we want because we think that God has a problem with us. And we've been talking about that for the last two weeks. And if you need to get that, you can go back on our YouTube page and you can look at those two lessons. Number three, we must, uh, that understanding and confidence gives me the ability to release my faith. So when I have an understanding of who God is and who he has called me to be, then that understanding gives me confidence. And that confidence now gives me the ability to release my faith. So some of you all have been releasing your faith since we started this series more than you've ever released your faith in your life. You know why? Because now when you get up, you don't see the the person you saw at the end of last year. You say, no, 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 no. I'm a child of the Most High God. And I don't care what you say to me. I don't care how you treat me. I know who I am, right? And so releasing my faith will then manifest the will of God for my life. So how do I get the will of God manifested in my life? I got to release my faith. In order to release my faith, I got to have some understanding and I got to have some confidence. So, y'all see how it all works together? I just connected the dots for you, right? So, I just connected the dots to how you're going to live your best life in Jesus. And I like living this kind of life. Amen? God is a good God. So, we've been addressing this question about is God okay with me? Now, we know that God is absolutely, say, God is is. absolutely, absolutely, unequivocally. Without a doubt, okay with me. Come on, I need you to tell yourself again because we got we to gotta push down all the bad thoughts and we got to raise up what God says, all right? Say, God is absolutely, unequivocally okay with me. Why? Because the Bible says that we are hidden in Christ and Christ's sacrifice covers us. Now, that tells me if I am hidden with Christ and his sacrifice covers me, that God is okay with Jesus, right? Anybody think God got a problem with Jesus? Okay, I'm going on this side. Anybody think God got a problem with Jesus? Do y'all think God got a problem with Jesus? What about over here? Does God have a problem with Jesus? God does not have a problem with Jesus, right? Point number one. Now, watch this, watch this. Everybody say, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch, this, watch, it, watch it, watch it now. Pay attention. God does not have a problem with Jesus. But the scripture says that I am hidden in Christ. So if I'm hidden in Christ and God does not have a problem with Jesus, a.k.a. Christ, then he cannot have a problem with me because I'm hidden in him. So that will help you. Because what we begin to see is ourselves outside of Christ, especially when we mess up. But the Bible says that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were yet a sinner, that's why you cannot believe the falsity that I got to get myself together and then come to Christ. No, you don't need, you can't get yourself together, sis. You can't get yourself together, brother. You cannot get yourself together. That's the point of coming to him because he will empower you to get yourself together. So you are to come exactly the way that you are. Come smoking. Come drinking. Come clubbing. Come co- committing adultery. Come exactly the way you are. Come. I know. I know that just burst up some of y'all religious beliefs. Come. Come exactly the way that you are. That's Bible. I didn't say that was religion. I'm talking about what the Bible says, not what tradition or religion told you. You are supposed to come exactly the way that you are because what will happen is when you are taught the word of God, the word of God does the work and the word of God cleans you up. That's why you'll never hear me stand up here and try to coerce and condemn people into submission and obedience of God's word. It will never work because you'll do that for a season, but you will really don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, you'll never truly submit to God. But you'll submit to what a man or a woman told you until that man or woman ceased to exist in your life. And then you go back and do what you want to do. Because you didn't make him Lord. So if I teach you. To make Jesus Lord and master of your life. And I teach you the word of God. The word will work. Anybody witness that the word works? The word works. So God is okay with you and I because we are hidden in Christ. It is not my righteous works. It is not my good works. But God is okay with me because I'm covered in Christ. Everybody with me, right? So if God is okay with Jesus, then God is okay with me. Now, what God is not okay with is sin. And we got to separate the two. What God is not okay with is sin. And this topic of sin has to be addressed and discussed because sin has consequences. And I know because we live in this cancel culture, the church and pastors and ministers and leaders, we are all tempted... Because we don't want to be canceled. We are all tempted to somehow whitewash the truth and not tell you the truth about sin. But I got to tell you about sin. Because I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't challenge you through the word of God to submit to God's word and change your life. So we got to talk about sin because sin has consequences. And sin will also be a hindrance to you receiving God's best for your life. So God's issue, let me make this clear, God does not have a problem with you, right? God does not have a problem with me, right? So God's issue with sin, it is not a personal attack against me. And what we have done in the world and in the church is confuse the two. God has a problem with sin, and we're going to talk about why in a moment. But his problem with sin is not a personal attack against you. What do you mean, PT? What happens is when we sin and then let's say I I sin and I messed up or I haven't been consistent in church or I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do and, and all these things that I really know subconsciously that I should be doing, I haven't been doing. Then I go to my regular yearly doctor's appointment and then the doctor gives me an evil report the first thing that comes to my mind because I'm guilty I have this guilt consciousness is that God's punishing me and that's what I mean when I say God's issue with sin is not a personal attack against you now will the enemy use it yes he will yes he will and we're gonna talk about that in just a minute but I need you to be very clear that when something is going on in your life that is causing you struggle Suffering or challenge, it is never God's fault. And you got to settle that. God is not doing something to you to get your attention. God is not doing anything. Does God allow things? Yes, he allows whatever we allow. So if you eat poorly for 58 years of your life and then you go to the doctor and they say you got diabetes, high blood pressure, and all kind of stuff, that is not God trying to teach you a lesson. That is your body teaching you a lesson because you did not treat your body well. So we got to get it straight got to settle that right so God's issue with sin is that it does not break your relationship with God but it will break your fellowship with God right. what do you mean by that Pastor Tracy Pastor Derek and I are married Pastor Terry and Minister Cookie are married now if Minister Cookie does something to us offend Pastor Terry It may break their fellowship in that Minister Cookie is not going to go to Pastor Terry the way that she normally would go before she offended him. She's going to have to figure out how to get back in his good graces. See, we see this in marriage all the time. But now their fellowship is broken, but is their marriage broken? No, their marriage is not broken because marriage is a covenant relationship. So the same with God. When we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says we have a covenant relationship with God. So the covenant isn't broken, but the fellowship is. So just like Minister Cookie could not go to Pastor Terry in the same way, when we sin, this is why God says, don't sin, there are consequences. When we sin, God says to us, you're going to have difficulty coming back to me and you're not going to be able to do what Hebrews 4.16 says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain grace and mercy in the time of need. So God expects you to approach him. He expects you to come to him. But when you sin, you remove your ability to come to him in confidence. So that will help you to understand why sin, number one, is a problem. Number two, sin strips you of your confidence in approaching God. I just said that. It is also a hindrance to you receiving God's best for your life. So you don't want to sin because sin is a blessing blocker. And I don't need anything blocking my blessing. Amen? So the church in its effort to get people to quote-unquote live right because that's what we do in the church, we need you to live right, right? We have not always done a very good job at addressing sin. And unfortunately, we've addressed sin from the standpoint of condemnation and guilt. We've approached this topic from a place of guilt, a place of punishment, when really that's not the mindset that God wants you to have because a place sin as it relates to guilt and punishment is the mindset of people who are under the law. And the scripture says that we are no longer under the dispensation of the law. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled all the law. But we are indeed under the dispensation of grace. Say, I am. I am. Under the dispensation of grace. Now, what is grace? God is unmer- God's unmerited. Yes, praise the Lord. Grace is God's unmerited and unwanted favor over your life. Not unwanted. Because we want it. It's just unmerited and unwarranted favor over your life, right? So, now, we previously, in the church, we have a history of addressing sin from a law mindset, from guilt and from punishment. But really, the way we're supposed to address sin in the New Testament church, which we are all a part of, is from not a standpoint of guilt, but a standpoint of grace, why? You were supposed to address sin from a standpoint of grace and not from a guilty standpoint. Why? Because we are not under the law. We are under grace. Say, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Now let's look at Romans 6 verse 14. Romans chapter 6 verse 13. This is what it says. It says, for sin will no longer be master over you. Somebody better thank God right now. Because if you understand the scripture, under the law, sin was your master. But the Bible says now in the New Testament church that sin will no longer be master over me. Sin should not be your master. You are not under the law but under grace. So it tells us the way that we approach our view discuss this topic of sin is not from a guilty law standpoint but it is from a grace standpoint right so God does not deal with us as if we were under the law God is not dealing with his New Testament church as if we were under the law that's why I told you when God sees you he sees who he sees who he sees the blood he sees Christ right so God does not deal with us as if we are under the law and therefore, because God does not deal with us because, as if we were under the law, we do not deal with ourselves as if we are under the law. What does that mean? All that condemnation, all that guilt you feel when you mess up, that is a feeling from being under the law. That—that that We're trained to think that way. And I'm going to show you something in just a minute. Just stay with me. Okay, so we don't treat ourselves as if we should be under the law. And because God also does not treat us as if we are under the law, not only do we not treat ourselves that way, but we don't treat others that way. And that's the part right there I need to harp on for a few minutes. See, because in the church, we've got to stop making people feel like they've lost all consciousness of Jesus when they mess up. We've got to stop preaching at people and harping on the sin instead of harping on the righteousness. If I teach you more righteousness and I tell you who you are in Christ, I don't have to tell you about sin because you're going to understand who God created you to be and you'll want to live right for God. You Cannot treat. That's what you see all on social media. Everybody want to tell everybody else how to live. Shut up. Do you have a pastor? Do you have a church where you're being taught God's word? Some of y'all ain't been saved but a hot second, and now you're telling everybody else how they ought to live. Go sit down somewhere. Go sit down. All you got to do is live right before people and teach them the word of God, and God does the work. And therein lies the issue right now. We want credit for what God does. God is the person doing the work. I can't take credit for nothing that I'm saying or any results in your life. Why? Because God dealt with you and you did the work. Everybody with me on that? God dealt with you and you did the work, right? So let's be clear that God right now, we got to still be clear, even though we're under grace, we got to be clear that God is not okay with sin. And I need you to, be, need you to understand that because there's also this other uh, idea a uh, uh, mindset is that I could do whatever I want, and because I'm under grace, God is okay with me. No. Because the Bible says your own conscience is seared and guilty because you know to do right but refuse to do it because you're trying to take advantage of grace. And that's a problem. Can't take advantage of grace like that because God knows the heart. Now, we may not be able to see what's going on in your heart, but God knows everything. So let's be very clear that God is not okay with sin. Why, Pastor Tracy? Because the scripture says that God is the epitome of righteousness. There's nothing more righteous, more holy, more pure than God. He is what it is. Amen? So sin... Why God has a problem with it is, number one, is because it's, a, it's an assault against the order and the character of God. When you sin, God created you in his own image, right? God created you in his image. Say, I am created in the image of God. So now, because God created you in his own image, you are a child of God, right? Now, it's just like your kids. God used you to create your kids, Right? When your kids rebel against your authority or the standard by which you have raised them, is it or is it not an assault against your character? Absolutely. Somebody said very much so. Same thing with God. Sin is an assault against the Creator who gave us life, right? Also, sin always has consequences. When we break laws, consequences happen. So go out there and start running all the red lights. Eventually, they're going to catch you, right? Because sin has consequences. You cannot break a law without having consequences. Now, we talked about this last week. God uses consequences to correct behaviors. So does God want us to sin? Yes or no? no. Right. He does not want us to sin. But when we sin, will God forgive us? Yes. yes. The Bible says all we have to do is confess it, right? So he, he, he all, he, what he does is there are consequences, but he doesn't condemn us. And that's the difference. So sin always have consequences. So I don't want to sin because I don't want the consequences. First of all, I don't want to sin because I don't want to have to deal with trying to figure out my way how to get back in God's good graces because that's the way your mind thinks. I don't want to sin because I don't want to be an assault against the God who gave me life, who sustains me and takes care of me. I I don't want to sin because I understand that God loves me. I want to make sure that I'm the best example. I want to be a good daughter. Amen? I want to be a good daughter. But God, if we happen to mess up, God will allow us to have consequences because when you break the law, there are consequences. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Look at what it says. It says, For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves, and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcome to his heart. Now, what did you hear when you heard that word punishment? Beating, negativity. That's what, but you got to understand what the scripture means. This is why you got to study, be a student of God's word. What the scripture is saying here is that what happens when God chastises or corrects his children, he's, it is a form of discipline. It is to train you in godly behavior. Why? Because godly correction is supposed to lead to development not punishment, right? So God is not in the scripture talking about doing bad things to you. As a matter of fact, if we even look at the scripture in Proverbs, the Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. I know some of y'all was about to say spoil. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said if you spare the rod, you hate your child. So God instructs you to use the rod at times in appropriate manners and in appropriate ways, not because you're mad. Because most of us got beat because we was mad, because you, your mama was mad or your daddy was mad, but that's not what God intended. He intended for slight pain to be inflicted upon a child under certain circumstances when they disobeyed, not not the 10th time, but the first time, because it was supposed to be a means to correct or curtail behavior. But what we have done is we have waited until we got mad and angry, and then that is abuse. Oh, I can't get no amens in here. That's real where we live, right? So we have to correct that. So God is saying that he will use consequences to help you to correct your behavior, right? So did God, did God, did the consequences come as a result of God or as a result of sin? Sin. If you go off to the top of this building and you jump off, what's going to happen? You're going to do what? you are gonna come down why because there's a thing called the law of gravity right the law exists the law of gravity existed before we got here right it's gonna exist after we leave here right there's a law the law of gravity says if you go up you must come down so the law of sin and death says that there are consequences to choices that are outside the order of God sin brings the consequences not God so Sin has consequences. I said this last week. God's view of consequences is to develop you. Say God's view of consequences is to develop me. Man's view of consequences is to punish you. That's what we do. We try to punish people. I'm going to cancel them. Whatever happened to the unconditional love of God? We say in this church every, every week, we live generously. We love unconditionally. And tomorrow, y'all go to work and cancel your coworkers. But we're supposed to be, it's supposed to be the agape love of God. Because man's view of consequences is when somebody does something to us, we punish them. How do we punish? We cancel. And God tells us one of the fruit of the Spirit is that we are long-suffering with people. Boy, don't so, it be so quiet in the church when you got to talk about sin? Be so quiet in the church. Satan's use of consequences is to destroy you. And this is why you don't want to sin, because Satan will use that to destroy you. He don't care nothing about you. He will try to kill you, destroy you. That's why Jesus said he comes to steal from you, steal the life that God has for you, kill you, and then destroy everything about you. Satan does not want you to have a legacy in the earth of godliness and righteousness. He does not. He wants to destroy you because he himself will be destroyed at the end of all things. He wants you to go down with him. You ever been in a circle with people you could just tell they want you to go down with them? Okay, I need you to put Satan in that circle and I didn't need you to identify that and get out of that circle. Because the circle of sin will ultimately destroy you. So today, that was just my introduction. So today, in the next few minutes, in the 10 minutes I have remaining, I want to talk about sin because, and what this looks like in everyday life, because it will absolutely, without a doubt, it'll stop you and it'll block you from receiving God's best for your life. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 14. I'm going to repeat this again, because as believers, a lot of times we don't realize this. Sin no longer has rulership or mastership over us i don't want to ever hear you say again i can't help myself you can most definitely help yourself because the bible says that god has given you power on the inside of you and you got to tap into the tap tap t- tap into that power Tap into the power that already exists on the inside of you. I don't want to ever hear you say, that's just the way that I am. No, change the way that you are because you have the power. That's just how I think. Change the way you think. That's just how I do things. No, that's your comfort zone. Change the way, get out of your comfort zone and change the way that you do things because sin has no rulership or mastership on you, over you. Do you all believe that? You are not under the law. You are under the grace. So what is this law that Paul speaks of? In Exodus, God began the revelation uh, for the law of Israel with what we call the Ten Commandments or the Ten Principles. And basically, those Ten Commandments or Ten Principles, what it did was it summarized the way in which you and I should live in the earth. In other words, how should we as people deal with God? how we deal with our families, and how we deal with our fellow man. That's, what, that's the three categories that the Ten Commandments are broken up in, into. You're going to have to go back and read it yourself. I don't have time to go there today, right? Then immediately after God gave the Ten Commandments, he started revealing a whole series of laws and commandments that we now refer to as the Mosaic Law. And it was a very strict law, a law full of performances and ordinances. And everything in that law was designed to keep the Israelites in remembrance of God and their duty towards him. So the law that God gave Moses, the Mosaic Law and all of these rules, it was giving uh, with a point. And the point was that it wanted, God was trying to keep the children of Israel in the mindset of how they should serve him and what was their duty towards God. What should their disposition remain towards God? Now you got to remember, you got to remember that the reason why this is important because God had just brought them out of Egypt, right? And they had to be reminded of who they were because they were in bondage and in bondage their brains had been washed. So God had to set some rules so that they would, it would be revealed to them how they should serve the true and living God, right? So in Galatians, it says that the law of Moses was given as a schoolmaster. Why? To bring Israel to Christ. Because remember, they were in, a, in an environment that was dominated with false gods. And so now they're coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, into freedom, and now God got to get their mind right. It's the same thing with believers. You've been out in the world You've been under the world system, in bondage, in disbelief, don't know about God, and then you come into the system of God, we got to give you some standards by which to live. Because you don't know any better. And those standards are supposed to bring you to freedom, right? So God, it's important to know, preface the Ten Commandments by saying this. This is how he prefaced the Ten Commandments. He said, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So for me, it's interesting that at the point right before he gives the Mosaic law, What's interesting is that he tells them the purpose of the law and he says, I brought you out of Egypt into the land, in the land of freedom. Why? Because I need you to get free and I need you to stay free. So he gives them these commands, right? So if sin is having dominion over you, if you feel like there's something in your life that you cannot control, sin is having dominion over you, it's likely because of two things. The first thing is you don't have a revelation of who God is. And when you get a revelation of who God is, it automatically triggers your revelation of who he's called you to be. And then you'll realize that sin does not have dominion over you. You'll realize how much God loves you. God brought us out of Egypt, right, out of the land of bondage, into the land, this promised land that Jesus Christ's blood paid for. So this is because a lot of times we've been taught that we've been taught and what we do is we practice what I call performance-based Christianity. Yeah, it's performance based Christianity as opposed to faith based Christianity. Now, let's talk a few minutes. I got six minutes. Six minutes, Dougie Fresh and yawn. <laughs> performance based Christianity versus faith based Christianity. So, in performance based Christianity, you are sin conscious because you're always trying to keep the rules, you're trying to keep the law. That's a law mindset. You got to keep the rules. You can't wear this. You can't put on this. You got to do this. All of these things that you got to do or you should not do in order to be saved. When salvation, according to the scripture, is based on faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's it. God don't care how long or short your skirt is. He don't care how long or short. Your sleeves are. He don't care whether you got makeup on or you don't. What's some of this other stuff, these other rules that we impose? He don't care if you go to church ten times a week. None of that has anything to do with who God has called you to do. This is a fa- That is sin-conscious, performance-based Christianity. And what you are doing is you are trying to convince yourself to do enough for God to be okay with you. And I cringe when I hear believers been saved 5, 10, 15, 20 years and you ask them a question and their response is, well, I'm trying to make it to heaven. What do you mean you tried? You made it. Because what you're in essence saying is that I'm trying to do right so God will be okay with me and that when he comes back, he's going to be okay with me. But God is okay with you now because you are covered in Christ. And this stuff is very subliminal, but it will hijack your life as a Christian. And we've got to stop operating in performance-based Christianity and get a revelation of faith-based Christianity. Because performance-based Christianity, you are constantly sin-conscious. But in faith-based Christianity, you are faith-conscious. You are grace-conscious. You understand I've been given a grace And I'm going to tap into the grace that I've been given to live how God has called me to live. For example, when you mess up, the first thing you think, until you train yourself to think differently about who you are and who God is and stop performance-based Christianity, when you mess up, the first thing that you think when you mess up is guilt and punishment. How many of y'all are going to be honest in church? As a Christian, if I mess up, God has already made a way for my mess-ups. And I know that way exists, but when I mess up, I think guilt and punishment as opposed to grace and, uh, and forgiveness. And under faith-based, grace-based Christianity, when you retrain yourself to think like God thinks about you, when you mess up, the first thing you're going to say is, Father, I thank you that you've already covered me under the blood. I repent and I turn. God, I may not have known this was the right path to go down, but I know you're okay with me and you made a path clear for me. I repent and I turn, and, Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. That should be your knee-jerk reaction, not, oh, God, I feel so bad. It's a difference. Number two, performance-based Christianity, you are always trying to be good enough. In faith-based Christianity, you receive that Christ has already made you good enough. In other words, in performance-based Christianity, you're always trying to arrive. You live your entire Christian life trying to arrive because you don't know that you have already arrived. Let me show you in the word. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Say I have arrived already. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Check this out. If any man be in Christ he is is current present tense I don't have to arrive I'm already arrived. he is a new creation all things are passed away behold all things are become new go to Ephesians 2 and 6 say I have arrived arrived. now you may not have arrived in your behaviors but as far as God is concerned about your relationship with him if you receive Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior you have arrived shake your shoulders back say I have arrived So you got to get some boldness and some confidence on you. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I boast in the Lord. You got to carry Christ like you ought to want the God that I serve. I know. I don't care if you mess up, repent. And then, like Paul said, Who y'all talking to? When they tried to accuse him, Paul said, "Who, Who? I don't know that person. Because Paul had a revelation if any man be in Christ, he is right now a new creation. You're not trying to get anywhere. You have arrived. Ephesians 2 and 6. He has also raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ you've been seated in heavenly places with Christ where else you think you gonna get is there any other place for you to go is there any other place for you to arrive you have already been seated in heavenly places with Christ I keep saying it because I need y'all to raise your elevation some of y'all thinking here you gotta think there you've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Number three, performance based Christianity, you try to keep the law. And faith based Christianity, you just live like Christ. See, and there's a difference. As a person who understands faith based Christianity, I don't have to keep the law. I just got to model my life after Christ. What did Christ do? He loved people. What did Christ do? He served people. What did Christ do? He said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. I mean, that's just three. I think I can handle those three. I can just start with just that. All you got to do is just live like Christ. Why? Because when you live like Christ, the scripture says you've already kept the law because he's fulfilled every requirement of the law. Then you begin to understand that sin has no hold on you. So performance-based Christianity focuses on the law of God. But faith-based Christianity focuses on the love of God the love of God Romans 8 and 2 we're gonna close right here Romans 8 and 2 he says for the law of the spirit of life in who oh wait a minute now wait a minute now for the law of the spirit of life in who what has it done for me it has made me free from what the law of sin and death Meaning sin, lack, sin and all the consequences of sin. Sin, lack, poverty, anxiety, worry, strife, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred. I have been free for the law of the spirit, grief, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from grief free from anxiety, free from depression, free from lying, free from cursing, free from fornication, free from adultery, free from homosexuality, free from all of this. It made me free. You are not held in bondage to anything that does not line up with the word of God. And I don't care where you are or what's going on in your life. Don't you? You better hear from your pastor today. I don't care what's going on in your life where you feel like it's not right. Because let me tell you something. Everybody know when they in something that's not right. Everybody know because your conscience, the Bible would tell you. You've been made free from these things. and I don't care what you're in. Do not stop coming to church. I don't care if you're committing adultery and I talk about adultery and you might not like it. You may get mad. I don't Get mad and keep coming to church. You sleeping around committing fornication and you don't like that I talk about fornication and that you should not be having sex outside of marriage. Get mad and keep coming to church. Guess what? I don't know what you're doing and neither do I care. All I need you to do is keep showing up and hear God's word. Because God would deal with you, not me. You can't, listen, you cannot run from God. You cannot hide from God. So since you found a good church, you might as well keep on coming. Uh, I would be doing you a disservice if I did not highlight certain things and tell you about certain things. You don't want somebody to tattle you and make you think everything is all right and all good all the time. Why? Because sin has consequences. And I don't care if I am the last pastor standing. I'm going to tell you what the word of God says because I love you enough that I will tell you that you got to come out of some stuff. I got to tell you, because I ain't paying this Mandy Panby Christianity. Well, don't nobody want to say the truth? No, nobody want to talk about sin, because we think people are gonna get offended. Well, you just get unoffended, get unoffended, and get free get unoffended and get free. I have to tell you the truth because the day and the age that we're living in, the devil don't care about your tat-tat. He's not going to pacify you. He's going to come for you. And I'm trying to tell you, don't give him any place. Don't give him a rock. Don't give him nothing. When you keep giving the devil something, he's going to keep using it against you. You want a pastor that's going to tell you the truth of what God's word says. And I am committed to telling you the truth. And I love you enough that I'm going to tell you the truth. So if you feel feeling some kind of day to, some kind of way today, because I may have said or hit on something, I don't even know I'm talking to you. But what I need you to do is shake it off and keep on coming to church. Do y'all hear what I'm telling you? Shake that off and keep on. Stay in the house of God. If you don't understand something that I said, you come and you ask me. You ask me because I'll love you enough to tell you why I said what I said. I'll show you in the word of God. The worst thing you could do is walk away because if God called you here, he called you here for a reason. And guess what? I don't care what condition you're in. Can't nobody say that I ain't going to love you out of it. Can't nobody say that. So you keep coming. You keep believing. You keep standing. You don't worry about what other people say. You It's between you and God. Because what I found out what the church tries to do, they try to tell people that if, if it's visible that you're in a certain lifestyle, the church will try to make you feel like you're not fit for the kingdom. You're fit for the kingdom because Christ died for you. The church did not die for you. Yeah. So don't you let people make you feel like you're not fit for the kingdom. And I bet not hear nobody around here judging or saying nothing to nobody. Leave people alone leave them alone. This is why we can't get half of this generation in the church now because they think we judgmental and they think we're going to talk about them but not in this house but we're going to talk about the word and not just some of the word, we're going to talk about all of the word amen. Do you receive the word today? I love y'all today. Can y'all help me stand and worship God for the word? Anybody been set free today? Anybody receive the word today? You are not in a performance-based relationship with God. You are in a faith-based relationship with God, where grace has been given to you to live out the best life that God has for you, for you. The best life that God has for you. Come on, let's worship to God. God you home. Hallelujah! You have won the
1: victory. Cole, can we sing it together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, right. you have won it all. You have won it all for me. Dead hold. Dead could not hold you down. You are the Prison King. You are the prison king. And you're seated in majesty. The prison king. king, come on. Can we sing it like we mean it all together? One voice, sing hallelujah! hallelujah. You, are the you have won the victory. I see victorious hands lifted all over the building. Hallelujah. Me. You have one in on almost And death could not hold you Ted could I hold you down You are the Prison King You are the Prison She didn't Majesty Seated in Majesty You are the Prison King like we meet it one more time. See, head could not hold you. Dad could not hold you down. You are the risen king. You are the risen. King. We believe in what you said about us. Seated in and you see it in majesty, yeah. That hallelujah come off the microphones one more time sing Hallelujah Come on, make this confession over yourself. Say, death could not hold you. Death could not hold you not oh, yeah, I hear it getting on the inside right now. You are? You are the risen King. Lift it. Seated in majesty. Seated in majesty. Last time, you are the risen King. Now, can we worship the risen king together? Come on, lift up whatever you feel like worshiping. Shout, clap, do what you feel like doing. Rejoice if you know you have the victory. Because hallelujah does not just mean he is the highest praise. It's a command to give High praise, so come on, hallelujah! In the building, that's a command to give high praise, hallelujah! In the building, giving your highest praise, hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah!
0: Glory to God i think this is a good time that if you don't know jesus this is the perfect time whether you're online or in the building this is the perfect time for you to receive jesus as your personal lord and savior he is the risen king And guess what? He's not just seated in majesty, but we read that scripture today. I need no one walking or talking unless you've been authorized to do so. Because by walking and talking, you distract people who God is dealing with their heart. And we don't want to be a hindrance to anybody receiving the best and the greatest gift that they could ever receive in Jesus' name. So the Bible says that you can be seated in heavenly places with Christ as a child of God. And I don't know where you are in this building, but if you found yourself here today and you say, Pastor Tracy, listen, I need a relationship with God or I need to rededicate or renew my relationship with God. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, believers are praying, whether you're online or in this building, I need online believers praying for the online audience. You'll say, Pastor Tracy, please pray with me and pray for me. If that's you, I want you to just gently raise your hand. I just need you to raise your hand as a point of contact. Thank you so much. I see your hands. You may put your hands down now. Just as a point of contact. Just as a point of contact. I want you to raise your hand. If you haven't done so, raise it. I want to pray with you to make sure that all of your spiritual needs are met before you leave this place today. The spiritual needs are the most important thing right now. need to make sure that your spiritual needs are met. Now, whether online or in this building, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, to bow your head as a sign of your submission to God. And then I want everyone in the house and online to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your saving grace. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you raised him from the dead. This same Jesus I do right now accept into my heart to be both my lord and to be my savior say it loud and say it proud say thank you father thank you father. for saving me come on will you help me to thank god and celebrate all of those who have received they're going to put a number on the screen type the words connect me all one word to the number on the screen whether in the building or online we want to make sure that we give you some next steps about receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior or rededicating your life. Now my final invitation for you today is for you to receive me as your pastor. I don't care what everybody else is telling you, I'm gonna tell you what the word tells you. You need a good pastor. The order of God is that every believer has a pastor. The Bible says that God himself sets members in the body of Christ. You're not here because you chose to be here, you're here because God directed you here. And so God may be speaking to you this morning for you to receive me as your pastor all over this building. I know that there are people in here that God has already told you that I should be your pastor. God directed you here. And so I need you to take a big, bold step of faith. I need you to step out of the audience. I need you to step right up here. And I need you to receive me. I need you to do it now in Jesus' name. Do it now in Jesus' name, wherever you are. Move out of your seat in the name of Jesus. Obey the Spirit of God. Obey the Spirit of God. Obey the Spirit of God. God bless you. Thank you for coming. I, where are you? I need you to obey the Spirit of God. You can stand right here. You can stand right here. You can face me. I love your shoes. Stand right here. Obey the Spirit of God. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, obey the Spirit of God. Obey the Spirit of God. Come now in Jesus' name. God bless you, thank you for receiving me. God bless you, young man. God bless you, God bless you. I see you again, God bless you, God bless you. If you're coming, I need you to come now. See, this is the. come on now. If you're coming, come now, obey God. Here's your first step in obeying God. If you're online and you wanna receive me as your pastor, you type the words, connect me, all one word, to the number that's on your screen. Obey God and come on now in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Now, when people come, whether you're online or in the building, amen, let's celebrate. Somebody else is coming. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. She's with this young lady right here. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? you come on. Don't we ain't trying to stay all day. Y'all come on. It's a beautiful day. Y'all going and eat some crawfish in the park. I already know. It's a beautiful day. Alright, will you help me to thank God for all the persons in person and online? Glory to God. Now when you come, I only give one instruction. And most of the people in this audience, there's only one thing I ask you to do. And the one thing I ask you to do is to be consistent. Because you are the master of your own relationship with God. Y'all hear me? All I need you to do is be consistent. And if you're consistent and you apply the word to your life, then everything you need will change. Amen? I am honored. Pastor Derek and I, we are honored that you will receive us as your pastors. We are honored because this is an honor and a privilege. And what I can promise you is that I will love you unconditionally. I'm not perfect, but I definitely will love you unconditionally, and I will teach you God's word. And I am open. So if you ever don't understand or disagree with something I say, just ask me about it in love. The Bible says we ought to be able to converse on the word. Let's be real Christians. Instead of shutting each other up, shutting each other down, throwing each other away, can we just be real Christians and just really love everybody like we're supposed to love everybody? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you. To connect and find out more about Lift City Church, text Connect Me all one word to 337 227 9820 or visit us at liftcitychurch.org.